0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Let's Talk Torah. I am Rabbi Tweet Jacobson with NM Streamcast, and we'll spend our time talking Torah, learning stuff, and having fun while we learn. Oh, that's better. Whoa, that was loud. Okay. Now that I got interrupted because I couldn't hear myself, um, you can always send your questions and comments to our mailbag at letstalktorah.com, and of course, I will answer as many as I can. So this week, I had... Uh, just a personal great story. If you're a parent, it's a great story. So my son comes over to me all excited. He has a question. And he asks for the question, and it happens to be an excellent question. It also happens to be a very famous question, which we're going to get to um, as we progress through the show. But I didn't answer him. It's such a good question that sometimes... It's worth allowing person, child, whoever, to enjoy the great question. I do it in my classroom all the time. Boys will ask me a question, and sometimes the answer is easy. Sometimes the answer is more complicated, and they don't even understand what I'm talking about when I give the answer, which is not the point. Sometimes the point is to train our children to ask probing deep intelligent questions. And the best way to do that is when they ask a good question. So don't just brush off because you happen to know the answer because, yeah, of course you know the answer. You're older. You probably should know the answers to their questions. Let us sink in. That is a great question. That's really... You know, I got to think about that one. That is a great question. Now, sometimes in a classroom, we can't do that. We have to move along. But sometimes we just... You know, as we say belabor, we can, we can delve into the beauty of the question. I give you an answer. I don't give you an answer. The answer is too hard. When you get older, you'll, be, you'll have more information. you know how to understand the question, how to understand the answer better. But why can't we do that? Because if we pray, I see it in class. You know, I was actually teaching last week's Torah portion about uh, the 70 soul the Shiv Nefesh that came down with Jacob to Egypt. So it says the names, and and there's nuances in the verses. And all of a sudden, the boys were asking left and right, actually stuff I couldn't find answers for. Something that you would think should be the easiest stuff to talk about. And they gave me the hardest time. Because on their level, you know, it's pretty black and white. So therefore, every time something seems out of the ordinary... For them, it was very easy. We made a big deal about it. I could have, could have taught this stuff in 20 minutes and moved on. Instead, three days. But in those three days, I had boys asking, going home, re-asking, saying their own answers. I had a boy say a brilliant answer today. I don't think it's the right answer. I don't think it's the right answer. I'm not going to go through it with you. It's just the point of it. So what I do, say so his grandfather is a teacher in the school. I tell the boy, first I thought his father had given him the answer and he was saying the answer in class. Then it came out that he made up the answer on his own. I said, that is amazing that you thought of such a brilliant answer. You go to your grandfather right now and tell him he needs to give you a big kiss. So, okay, he's a funny grandfather. He has toys, I guess, in his drawer. So he gives him one of these like lip toys with like a whistle or something. like I don't, I don't have these things in my drawer, but he did. He gave it to the boy. The boy comes back so excited. So what do you think happens next? What's going to happen next is he knows that he can think, come up with good answers, and his brain will be engaged. He does have good answers. He doesn't have good answers. That is completely irrelevant. What we want from children is that their brains are are engaged. And as their brains develop, some questions will fall by the wayside. Some answers will come up with, but that's what we want from our kids. And that's why I told my son, that's such a good question. Why don't you run around and ask people? He must have gone to 10 people. And I think Sonu gave him answers because it's a very famous question. But the adults are coming back to me. Oh, your son came and asked me this. Oh, your son came and asked me. Oh, great. I want them to go around. Very beautiful. Okay. Before we get into the question, as always, to my dedicated listeners, I know you guys love the show, and I do need your help. To help our show spread, I need you to go to my homepage, hit that Donate button, leave a name, I give you a shout-out, the memory of, happy birthday, and in advance, of course, I do thank you. Okay, so that question for my son, we're going to, let's try to get through part of the Torah portion, and then we'll get to that question. So, the beginning of the Torah portion is... The very first word, as a matter of fact, is Va'yichi. Va'yichi Yaakov, Jacob lives 147 years. Right? And the name of the Torah portion is, and he lived. That's beautiful. Except this Torah portion is talking about people dying. Jacob will die in this Torah portion. Joseph will die in this Torah portion. Not only that, if you've ever seen the inside of a Torah scroll, so you might be familiar, it's columns of words but there's paragraph breaks in in the column there could be a closed paragraph break which means there's like a nine letter open space and then then and then the words continue sometimes it's an open paragraph break which means that there's no words to the end of the line and then you go to the next line and then between books like this week we finished the book of aihi There's four blank lines to make a separation between the first book and the second book. Um, So every single Torah portion always starts at the beginning of a paragraph. Whether the paragraph is from an open break, whether the paragraph is from a closed break, but it always has a break, except once. And that once is this week's Torah portion. Why? Because since Jacob is going to... Be nifty He's going to die in this week's Torah portion. So, um, so the Torah sort of says no opening, closed, like the Jewish people's eyes were closed because we are losing Jacob. We're losing the last of the forefathers, and that's something that is that is going to make being in the exile in Egypt for the next uh, two hundred plus years or. By the time he passed away, it's 190-something years. That is something traumatic. And the Torah points this out by making a break. So clearly, the death of Jacob is a big deal. As a matter of fact, you go through the Torah portion, there's a lot of time spent on the death of Jacob. And the very end of the Torah portion tells me that Joseph dies. So why is the name of the Torah portion, and he lived? I mean, it's true, It is the first word, but that's not good enough. We have other places where we don't use the first word to name the Torah portion. The Torah portion of Noah is not the first word in the Torah portion. Um, The Torah portion of Miketz, there's many where the first word is not automatically the name of the Torah portion. Usually it's in the first verse, but it's not automatic. So why is this the name? So I thought about it. So there's a beautiful Maseel Shasharim, which I'm sure we've mentioned numerous times. And Maseel Shasharim, uh, I'm not supposed to play with toys over here. And Maseel Sharam says, he wants to know what is a person's goal in life? Well, I'm here in life. What is my goal? What am I trying to accomplish with life? What am I trying to do? So the Mrs. Sharm says, now think about it, right? This is really a very basic, thoughtful question. If you think that this world is it, there's nothing after this world, there's no purpose in this world, then you're right. So eat, drink, and be happy because who cares, right? What's, nothing's changing. But if you believe that there's a world to come and there's a God, so there's got to be a purpose to this world, so what is it? It can't be to have a big bank account. It just can't be. I should be a good person? Why? right? I should help people? Yeah, I should, but but why? What, what, is, what is my end goal? Sometimes we have to first know the end goal, and when I know the end goal, then I can understand everything I'm trying to accomplish. So, Mesut Sharma says, the end goal in this world is, I want to be close to God. I want to be close to God. That is the end goal. Why do I want to be close to God? Okay, spiritually, I will benefit, I will enjoy, I will bask in the glow, anything you want to say. But the question is, how do I get close to God? Well, it would make sense. If you want to get close to God, you should be God-like. As God wants, God is kind, you be kind. Right? Then God says, okay, we got a connection. There's something here that we relate. God is charitable. I have to be charitable. We relate. God tells me the commands he wants me to keep. Okay, I'm listening to God. This is the blueprint. So at the end of the day, when now, how do you know what's good? Okay, that's a conversation for another day, but basically, God tells you how, and it's not for me to decide what's good. I'm just a human being. How should I know what's good? So God lets me in on the secret of what's called good. That's what his whole book is all about. Do you want to know what's good? Read the book, right? That's that's the simplest easiest way to figure out what God wants from you. So by following his book, following his commands, um, acting like God, so then, then I have a connection. I have a connection, so I'll be, I'll be closer to God when I leave this world. That is the goal. So now, if that's the goal, and that goal should, could, would, will take a lifetime. So it is true Jacob is dying in this week's Torah portion. It is true. Joseph is dying in this week's Torah portion. But they lived. Their life was a life of living because they did what God wanted. Everything they did, their whole life was focused to do what God wants, to become closer to God. Okay. So, if you did everything you were supposed to do, now you've Reach the end game. You've gone ahead. You've you've had a a life full of giving, of being godlike. So now you're going to become closer to God. Well, then that's living. In other words, let's not let's not confuse like life. Like if life is only the you know 70, 80, 90 years a person is in this world. Some people less, some people more. So that's so okay. That's pretty you know in the scale of things, it's not very long. Right? Living is going to mean that my soul will connect to God for eternity. Eternity is a very, very long time. I cannot tell you how long because there is no answer to how long eternity is. And then the word doesn't make sense. But with that, uh, make sure the computer is behaving properly over here. With that, now I think we can move along to my son's question and a very clear, clean answer. So, in the Torah, there's different words used for dying. Misa is a word by great people. The word vayigva is used multiple times. There's a phrase vayasevel amav. Say to me like this: vayigva. We generally translate he died quickly. Vayasevel amav. He was gathered into his people. Generally means that the person's soul connects with the with the parents' souls in heaven. And then there's the word vayamas. Vayamas means die. The problem is, generally speaking, the word Vayamas is used every time somebody dies. That word was not used when Jacob dies. It says Vayigva, which means he died quickly. It says he was gathered into his people. Okay, his soul gathered his in with with Avram, with Yitzchak. But the word Vayamas is uh, missing. So Rashi says the most famous phrase, if it doesn't say he died, must be Jacob didn't die. So I asked my class today, I said, that's ridiculous. So you mean Joseph embalms his father when he's alive? The, the 12 brothers buried Jacob in the Maris Pela alive? I mean, how could that be? That's ridiculous. They didn't kill him. And I will not tell you some of the answers my class tried to tell me that, well, he was alive, but he wanted to be buried alive. I said, come on. That's ridiculous. So what is, how is it possible to explain that Jacob doesn't die? So there are multiple answers to this. And the first answer, which my class was actually not so satisfied with, is that since Jacob's children will follow in his path, the path that he created for his children, for his future generation, since Jacob creates this path of how to serve God. And his children follow in that path. So he's always alive. What he stood for, what he believed in, what he taught his children is still being taught to the next generation. Jacob never died. So a boy he asks me, so then what about Abraham and Isaac there also, right, were the children of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So it shouldn't just say Jacob didn't die. It should say Abraham also didn't die. It should say Isaac also didn't die. I don't have an answer to that question. That question, that is really a very good question. I had some ideas of an answer, but I'm not really satisfied with it. Um, a second answer they explain, which we've talked about in the past, is the Concept of the soul leaving the body. Uh, my whole life, in other words, I need a physical body, so that my soul can get its spiritual nourishment. What does that mean? In other words, I go ahead and I give charity, so my soul is is. I don't know what my soul is. Whatever my soul is, it's a spiritual thing. It doesn't have hands, doesn't have feet, doesn't have eyes. It's like my brain thoughts, right? The when your brain thinks, right? You can't put your finger on that. I mean, you can touch your brain, but your, your, the brain waves, what are the brain waves? What is that? Right? That's about a, when you have an imagination, when you have a dream. That's like a spiritual because there's nothing to touch, right? So the only way for my soul to get, to get the ability to become more spiritual is by the body Doing good deeds, charity, kindness, Torah study, honoring parents—you know, you, you you know the list. And if you don't know the list, you got to read the book. So we need this combination, physical and spiritual, so that my soul can benefit. So I need a body to do the physical stuff. When time's up, when a person dies, so the body no longer has a use, so the body and the soul will separate and the soul will take all this accumulated good, hopefully lots of accumulated good, and go up to heaven and then they'll weigh everything on the scales and then uh, the soul is deserving now, the soul becomes closer to God. The soul can only do that with its connection to the body. But really, really, as the person um, does more and more um, good deeds, becomes more and more spiritual, his soul has benefited more, so there should be a separation of body and soul. As the body is no longer as important and the soul becomes the spiritual and the body is physical and they, they start to separate more and more. So when the person dies, the more spiritual the person was, the more holy the person was, the more good deeds the person did, his soul is less connected to the physical body because it wants that connection to God. Those people who want nothing to do with spirituality said a soul, even though the person dies, they're not breathing, they're dead. The heart is not working, brain is not working, they're dead. But the soul can't really separate because the soul is so intertwined with the physical, it's like stuck. The soul is trying to get out, and it's trying to rip its way out, but it doesn't go out so good. When we say that a person dies it's because the soul and the physical body do not have a complete, clean separation. To have complete 100% is close to impossible. Okay, Jacob can do the impossible. So by Jacob, the Torah doesn't say that he died because there was a complete separation. There is no connection, body and soul. It's like taking off my shirt. There's no connection, body and soul, you don't need the word. He died. While for almost everybody else, you don't have that level of complete separation. Which perhaps another reason, um, it says, um, well, okay, let's have, let's see how much time I have, yeah, but we'll skip. Jacob um, because he's who he is, his body, it's an interesting fact. I don't know why. but when somebody is when his soul is so separate from the body, so it happens to be that the body doesn't need to disintegrate. In other words, a person who who when they die, there's a the soul is having a hard time separating from the physical body. The only way really that the soul and body can separate is by the body completely disintegrating. Complete disintegration. But somebody whose body and soul completely separated, there's no reason for the body to disintegrate. So Jacob's body did not need to be embalmed. It was not going to disintegrate. But Joseph was afraid. Jacob wants to be buried in Israel. If the people see during the month-long mourning period that it doesn't smell, they're going to figure out the body's not disintegrating, it wasn't turned into a mummy, they'll say, whoa, this body is so holy, which is really the opposite, right? This body is so holy, we ain't letting you bring his body up to Israel to be buried. you got to stay right here. We are not letting him move. So therefore, Joseph had to play the game of embalming a body that didn't need to be embalmed so that he'd be able to bury his father in uh, in, uh, Israel. Now, the idea, by the way, I think we've said this story in the past, um, but the idea of the body not disintegrating is not unheard of. There are times where holy people have been um, they've dug up the grave because they were building highways through the area or something, and um, and they found bodies that were pure. One of the more famous stories, very unusual story, but they they um, they were digging and they found a body in a Jewish cemetery, but clothed like a priest, which again didn't make sense because it's a Jewish cemetery. So why is a priest being buried there? And if it's a priest being buried there, why is his body perfect? So the story goes that in many towns in Europe, what happened was you had a person whose job was to collect charity. He didn't let strangers go through town collecting charity from everybody. You had a person whose job was that whenever a poor person came to town, he would um, go around town and try to raise the money the person needed, and then they would send that person on to the next city. You can't do that nowadays because... Unfortunately, the amount of people that travel from city to city is quite large because it's a lot of people that need help, and hopefully people help them. So anyways, a guy came. The the gavet stuck, as he's called, the person going around collecting charity. He goes around, and uh, he collects, and gives the person the money on his way. An hour later, another guy comes, and he says, hey, It's so hard. I went around today already. You know, and I, I don't know what to tell you. It's very hard to ask people on the same day twice it's like almost impossible please please I'm just traveling through and it's so important so fine and people start giving dirty looks and start saying you know you're only supposed to come once a day you know why are you harassing me but he did it and gave the guy money and then a third guy comes he says what am I supposed to do if I help you uh, people will go crazy please 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 okay let me try so he goes to the bar well, there's a young, wealthy man, um, not very religious, but a young, wealthy man. And the young man says, hey, gabby Stucker, twice already here today. Third time, he says, I'm stuck, which I do. Please help me out. He says, tell you what, how much money do you need? He told them the amount. He says, we're going to wake up this sleepy town. I got this monk's, this priest's clothing. You put it on. We're going to sing behind you like the Pied Piper. We'll march through town. You do it for 15 minutes, and it's a deal. He didn't know what to do. He's so embarrassed, but he's fine. I'll do it. He does it. He goes through town, and they dance, and he's beat red, and people are yelling at him, you're embarrassing your position. How could you do such a thing? He didn't know what to do. Anyways, when they finish their 15 minutes of marching, uh, it's over. But suffice it to say, he was told to be buried in those special clothes, and his body stayed pure. But okay, the music is playing. I hope you guys enjoyed it short and sweet. Thank you, of course, for all wonderful sponsors listening. listeners. I can't do it without you. Thank you to production team. We have David in the back. I have left, you some food for thought. Until next time, I am Rabbi Sweet Jacobson. You've been listening to Let's Talk Toro on NRM Streamcast. Until next time, don't forget to think about it.